kid. Lance, are you ready? Yes. Well, let's play ball. So we're just going to start off. Uh, can you give me a little bit of your baseball background and what you're doing right now in baseball? Yeah, well, um, we're now in Huntington Beach. We've moved from Nashville. I started off coaching college baseball, goodness gracious, 2004 in junior college. Spent two years there and then took the volunteer spot, which has become pretty popular with the NCAA nowadays that they're making millions. They're asking people to work for free. Thought I'd throw that in there. But I did that for a year and then spent three more years at Lipscomb before taking the job at Louisiana Monroe for two years. And I believe it was probably 2011. Um, moved over into the private side training with professionals and just kind of went from there. Okay, so follow up to the first uh, question. You, so you didn't get Corbin's uh, salary there? That like almost, <laughs> no, almost... I think I think he's paid a. I think it was about a one point one million dollar difference. Yeah, not much. <laughs> yeah, that's uh. I've, my dad showed me that last night. Those are some crazy salaries for uh, some coaches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those guys with the road they've taken. My goodness, what they're doing for the university and just the NCAA in general with the money that's. That's a big money sport, and to think that so many other sports are so much more paid than these coaches, just it's an insult. So uh, between teams you've worked with and all the coaches that, you, that attended your event, what are the most common concerns as issues you hear them talking about about their pitchers? That's a great question. Uh, first of all, it's, it's going to be injuries and just uh, arm injuries. And then secondly, it's going to be velocity. Those are the, the two most common. People want to throw harder, and they want to do it safer. Uh, I've heard you talk about how you invented the uh, core velocity belt, which I have used for like three years, and I've seen others that are similar. The CVB is placed around the hips while most go through and around the waist. And I've recently used the K-Vest for accurate data on your, like, your pelvic speed. Um, there's a strap that has been... That has to be around your hips in the data the KVS collecting. Is that anything related to what the CVB does? Yeah, yeah. The placement around the with the belt is is around the hips and pelvis. Whenever it's around the waist, although and this is a common mistake, people just assume that the waist and the hips are the same. But really, with the waist, it's it's not functional in any movement. It's the hips and the pelvis that center mass. It's from the top of the belly button or top of the thigh to the belly, just below the belly button is your center of gravity. It's the center of mass. And that's what's the driver, that pelvis and spine connecting there. That's the driver of human movement. But the thing about with the belt is anytime that you place compression around the area, it's just like a sleeve or braces on your teeth or, or elbow sleeve. It gets the brain's attention. So once you take it off, the brain is more aware of that part of the body. So if it's around the waist, Obviously, it's sending the wrong message, and as you can probably see in your data, your results, it was probably night and day difference. But yeah, that's that's just a common mistake, and it's the hips and the pelvis in a rotational sport that are so important, critical, and that's where most players struggle. And I've often seen that's the difference between 85 and 95 is just the ability to move through the center. But if it's around the waist, it's just sending the wrong signal, and you're basically wasting your time. So is that the reason why when you take off the belt after using it for a little bit that your hips don't feel like they're there? 
Yeah, they just feel lighter and faster. It's not the fact that they're lighter and faster. It's just that the brain's attention is still there. Because what you got to realize is that any external pressure, tap, touch, uh, the brain views that as a threat because the body's number one goal is to protect itself. So the brain's very paranoid, I guess you could say. So after taking it off, the brain's attention's still there. So it's kind of so like you have the, uh, more body awareness. So it's kind of like the tapping of the foot that you uh, always talk about, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. We're just trying to get the brain's attention because that's where people miss the boat. The kinetic chain starts with the brain, but our focus is on the body, and I think that's a big problem and why so many players uh, often spend waste their time training the wrong things. So I know that the pelvis is the first thing in the swing that has to move. So the first part of this question is, is that the same with pitching? And if so, why do so many people fail uh, with moving their pelvis or slash their hips effectively? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, a kinetic chain is a kinetic chain. Whether it's pitching or hitting, it's, it's all the same as how it's transferred and where it originates. And a problem that I see with a lot is, you know, it's the idea of thinking that ground force starts at the ground. But if I'm just standing there, I cannot put force into the ground without moving through the center and pushing it down. And I think the reason why so many players struggle with that, number one, it's our culture, it's our lifestyle. You don't see the same issues with your, your Japanese pitchers simply because of their culture and lifestyle. And then the other part, I think so many mechanical flaws are just man-made where we're focusing on the legs, we're focusing on the arm, but we're not focusing on the driver of the movement. And the more that I do this, and it seems like each year players move worse and worse. And that's the problem is that with injuries, we've got players that are playing more games or practicing more. So in other words, they're moving worse more often. And that's a big reason for the injuries and the lack of velocity. Okay. So with that answer, is it also the same reason why if a pitcher has a little bit of a hip uh, defect, I don't know if you can say that, they also have a, a bigger increase in, in getting like a Tommy John or hurting their arm? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of studies that's going out now that are just proving the the relationship, the correlation between arm injuries and hips because it's like a ripple in the chain. I heard Mike Reynolds say that. And I always picture it like this. If I were looking at a, a creek and, and saw a wooden log and there's all this trash, bottles, papers sitting, situated there at that wooden log. Well, that's, that would be a symptom or let's say a position that's out of sequence in the kinetic chain. But what people don't realize is that that trash started upstream and it found its way downstream. That's the same way with the body is that most of the flaws we label as mechanical flaws, those are symptoms of inefficient movement somewhere else in the chain. And most often they can be traced back to the hips. That was a really good uh, explanation for that. I, n- I never heard that before. I just made it up on the spot for you, Sammy. <laughs> so I don't know if you already started planning for Pitchapalooza yet, but can you uh, can you tell me so so some major things you've learned in the past five years of Pitchapalooza, or what you're looking forward um, for this year? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. And that's why I started Pitchapalooza. I started this six years ago, and I believe it was like October. And I said, you know what? I'm a big fan of Paul and I and all his work, and, and I want to invite this guy out because for years after I would coach baseball, after the end of the season, I would look up pitching coaches or staff with the better numbers and then schedule a time to go meet with those coaches and just kind of share information. That's really how Palooza was born. But the biggest lessons I've learned, oh, my goodness, a uh, couple that I'd have to go back to would be Tony Robichaud because he just really sparked and and drove – my concept or thinking for how to teach by feel 
down a, a deeper rabbit hole. But one of the things he said was the reason why so many pitchers struggle to throw strikes is because they can't feel the difference between a ball and a strike, which was eye-opening. And then Butch Thompson, the head coach at Auburn, he had mentioned that at ASMI, through the hundreds of thousands of pitchers that they had analyzed, no two pitchers had ever thrown the ball the exact same way. And so it goes back to <laughs> something I'd learned from him is, you know, we write our name, our signature every single day, no pressure, no stress requiring just one body part, yet we still can't repeat it. And so those were just some eye-opening uh, moments for me at Pitchpalooza. But, man, it's just so many because there's so many great minds there each and every year. Do you know uh, or have an idea what you're looking for this year in pit- during Pitchpalooza? Uh there's nothing that I'm really looking for. What we're going to do more this year is going to be on the demonstration side. And I'm always just open to suggestions. And with each year, there's going to be certain people that I just highly respect. And I know the top in the industry are always finding new stuff. They're constantly learners. They're not, they're the best teachers because they're the best students. So I'm always looking for guys like that. Um, but nothing in particular. I like the different people. I like the, the guys outside the box. I've often said that. The best pitching coaches I've met were the brain surgeons that know nothing about pitching because they focus, they force us to think a little bit more outside the box and challenge our traditional thoughts. So getting a little bit out of Pitcherpalooza, and we're going to come back to that later, um, what is either the best coaching advice you've ever given or gotten? Get to know the individual, the person. It all starts with the person. Um, I think too often we just go straight to the body. We go straight to focusing on mechanics. And we never ask why. We never get to know the individual. We're so quick to point out what they're doing wrong and then give our opinion on how to fix it. But that's really a problem. So the best thing that I've ever learned, most effective, I guess, would be getting to know your your player, who you're dealing with. Because mechanics start with the mind. And unless you know what he's thinking, you're only guessing what he's doing. Yeah, I know player is the exact same from any other player. Yeah, I think the development process starts with getting to know the person, meaning what's he like, what's he do, what's he believe in. Because what they believe in, what they think they're good at, is what they're going to practice more often. What they practice more often is going to show up in the movement pattern. Uh, The second part, get to know the player, just his ability, does he compete, uh, what other positions has he played on the field, and then finally the pitcher. You know, what's his skill set? What does he lack as a pitcher? What does he need? So who is the best player you ever got to help coach or ever got to play with? Hmm. There's so many good ones. Each have so many different strengths. That would be, if I could take a combination of players, that would be awesome. But there's just way too many to to probably mention and say one. I think one of the most competitive and focused kids I've ever seen was Mason Hickman at Vanderbilt. You saw what he did last night in the world series. Another is Gunnar Lajay. You've got Casey Mize. Rex Brothers, Sonny Gray, and each brought something a little bit different, but something they all shared in common was their willingness and ability to compete in empty rooms. I mean, these were guys that were fierce competitors, whether they were playing ping pong or pitching. They went about it the same way. They they had a hard time turning it off. So with that, do you think there is a big difference between players who aren't going to make it as far as those types of players? Is it mainly their mental game or is it mainly that they just don't have that drive? That's a really good one. I think the drive is the mental game. I think it's 
Number one, it's believing in yourself. Number two, it's doing today what others won't, so you can do tomorrow what others can't. And when you reach that higher level, this sport especially, whether it's high school, college, pro, you're always trying to find something that's going to separate yourself from everybody else. Because if you look at it, you were to plot this, most people are going to be right here in this circle together, and there's going to be some outliers. And usually it's your outliers. Well, of course, there's the physical ability, genetics. But when you get to the highest levels, it's, it's your willingness and drive to continue to be better. Because I think so often players get there and they think, hey, I'm here, and they forgot about what got them there. So it's the process. It's the mental game. It's competing in empty rooms. It's just really coming down to do today what others won't. So you do tomorrow what others can't. And I think that's what separates so many good ones. So final question here. Where can people find more about you, Pitcherpalooza, and the CVB? Oh, you can go to baseballstinktank.com. I'm on Twitter at Lance Wheeler. That's L-A-N-T-Z-W-H-E-E-L-E-R. And then there's also the corevelocitybelt.com. Thank you so much for playing ball with the Playball Kid. That was awesome, Sammy. Thank you. I like dropping bombs, but my dad, he doesn't like dropping bucks. So I've been beating pitchers with discounts bats from closeatbats.com. Just tell Max and Roy that the Playball Kids sent you, and they'll take as good a care of you as they have me since I was in Little League. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show, the algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.